This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 26, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Every president's budget is essentially dead on arrival, but President Trump's proposal that he sent to Congress for consideration at least does one thing. It's a budget that would eventually balance something not seen in many years. And it does so largely on the basis of spending cuts that, for the most part, don't actually cut spending. Cato Institute senior fellow Michael Tanner comments. Well, we should always be careful when Washington starts talking about the vicious cuts that are coming. In many cases, these are not cuts at all, but simply reductions or slowing the growth in spending. For example, the six or $800 billion cuts in Medicaid uh, actually would still increase Medicaid spending over the next 10 years. They simply would reduce it from the previous uh, projected baseline. So they're not cuts in any way that you or I would think of them in terms of a a family budget? Certainly not when it comes to Medicaid. Uh, If you were planning to spend $100 next week and you only spent 60, you wouldn't talk about how you cut back your spending. You still spent $60 more, particularly bad if you don't have the $60, which is the case we find ourselves in with the federal budget. Now, some of the other cuts are actual cuts. Uh, For example, in food stamps, uh, the cuts uh, are real. Uh, but they're only cutting back the spending in food stamps to, say, about the level we spent in 2009 uh, before the Great Recession. They're simply saying that since the recession's in the rearview mirror and unemployment is back down to traditional levels, we don't need the massive increase of countercyclical spending that went on during the recession. And we should remember that 2009 is roughly double what we spent in 2001 uh, before George Bush doubled food stamp spending. Uh, As far as I recall, 2001 was not known as the year of the Great American Famine. All right. So with respect to entitlements, and this seems to be sort of the crux of any plans for a a balanced budget into the future, uh, the uh, various news sources say it's $1.7 trillion in cuts over uh, 10 years. But what does that actually mean? Are they how real are those cuts or what portion of them are actual spending reductions? Well, the Trump administration has played a few linguistic games here. They've shifted from the term entitlement to the term mandatory spending so that they're able to include <clears throat> Medicaid, which is a legitimate entitlement program, but also programs like farm price supports and some things of that nature uh, in order to, to sort of lump all this together. The two big entitlement programs, Medicare and Social Security, are largely untouched. There's some changes, about a 1% cut back in Social Security disability payments, but no changes to the retirement portion and no changes at all to Medicare. Uh, This is really troublesome because in the out years, that's what's going to be driving the debt, and the Trump administration still fails to face up to the fact that we have to reform those programs. So in a sense, he is at least keeping one of his campaign promises, which is very few, if any, changes in uh, Social Security. Yeah, he seems to be keeping one of his more misguided campaign promises uh, in this case. And it does seem to be a certain constituency shopping here that basically he protects the program that's most valuable to his Republican-leaning, older, uh, whiter constituency and willing to cut back on programs that, uh, that affect people who didn't vote for him, uh, poor minority constituencies and so on. Okay. So uh, overall, how do you evaluate uh, the changes here? Well, let's give some credit where credit is due. And this is the first presidential budget that even aspires to balance the budget in 10 years uh, since Bill Clinton back in 2001. 
Uh, that said, it relies heavily on cuts that are never going to occur. The, the traditional Republican proposal to do away with the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the National Endowment for the Arts and so on, which, uh, however meritorious, uh, simply are not going to happen. And it uh, takes into some very rosy uh, scenarios in terms of revenue growth uh, in the future. Not just 3% economic growth, but the fact that uh, tax cuts will double pay for themselves, uh, which, uh, of course, no economist really buys into. Okay. Well, what, what, you know, when we talk about uh, spending cuts and those stimulating growth or, or tax cuts stimulating growth, um, what do we usually get in terms of a boost to the economy based on those cuts? Sure. It's kind of a misstatement to say that tax cuts pay for themselves. What they do is they pay for part of, uh, of themselves. Uh, tax cuts generally do increase economic growth, and that increased economic growth brings in new revenues, and that offsets uh, at least part, uh, and sometimes potentially a large part, uh, of the tax lost revenue from their tax cuts. But it seldom pays for the entire tax cut nor is it going to pay for twice as much as the entire tax cut as the, as the Trump budget sort of assumes. Uh, that said, uh, you know, the Trump administration should get credit for challenging the wisdom that says that every government program that exists today is sacrosanct, that the only thing that can happen with budgets of government programs is that they go up. You can never cut back, no matter how ill-advised that program is, inefficient, or how little it actually does to help people. When it comes to uh, the president trying to negotiate with Congress and houses of Congress negotiating with each other, his first salvo in the budget fight was, hey, let's increase military spending, which seems like, uh, in a sense, that you're not really serious about any cuts in social programs that you might want to otherwise want to make. Yeah, somehow this, the Republicans in Congress and the Trump administration still have this idea that Waste, fraud, and abuse only occurs in social programs, that, the, that every penny that the military spends is somehow valuable. Uh, you know, that's just not realistic. And it's the one agency that, that has, uh, to my knowledge, has never been audited. Oh, that, that's right. And there's no grand strategy uh, for what the Trump administration is doing with military spending either. It seems that their answer is just throw money at it, see where it sticks. Uh, and that will be good enough. Uh, the, we really need to kind of figure out what is our strategy and our posture in the world first, and then later on spend what's necessary for that. Uh, some of the most substantial uh, cuts, the real cuts that you uh, detailed are in Medicaid. Is there any change in pol Medicaid policy that's built in or baked into this uh, budget document? Well, a lot of this assumes the uh, changes that are to the Affordable Care Act that the Republicans passed through the House uh, and are now being in the process of being rewritten in the Senate with the idea that states would have far more flexibility in terms of how they spend their money, uh, the idea being that they could use it to be much more efficient in the use of that money and that that may allow the cuts to occur without cutting back on actual services. Certainly, it's going to force the states to make some decisions. Uh, we tend to think of the money going to poor people on Medicaid, but the reality is about two-thirds of that money is actually for the elderly and disabled in nursing homes. Uh, maybe states need to make some different priorities. Now, uh, given states' priorities, uh, the fact that Medicaid itself is a matching program would seem to continue to pervert uh, state priorities no matter what the level of spending is from the federal government. Yeah, states have long uh, played a game uh, with the federal government in which they uh, pass money through providers, uh, tax some of that money back for their matching programs, 
uh, and thereby increasing the level of federal contribution to this. And, and there's very little incentive for states to really be efficient because, of course, they can just uh, tap into that federal spigot. So are we going to see a change to that? That I mean, the fundamental problem with Medicaid, I had always understood, was simply that it is a matching program and not some fixed dollar amount in any given year. Well, I think we can almost certainly expect there to be a block grant of Medicaid. That is something that I think uh, Republicans uh, pretty much across the ideological spectrum agree on. Uh, it is almost certainly going to be part of any ACA reform. Uh, the question is going to be, what is the formula for that black grant? Is it going to be uh, essentially flat uh, over time? Is it going to be something that maintains the entitlement status and therefore is an automatic increase? Uh, is it going to be a formula that allows for medical inflation or something that tries to force states to be more efficient and cut back on their spending? So now that this budget proposal, I mean, it's not really a, a substantial budget plan. You couldn't introduce these exact documents into the House and expect people to debate them. What will the House actually do with this and what will the Senate actually do with it? Well, look, uh, this budget is dead on arrival, as has been every presidential budget in my lifetime. Uh, I sort of think that it would be great ceremony if the uh, presidential budget proposal was sent up to Capitol Hill in a black draped uh, wagon with six black horses pulling it uh, to symbolize this. Uh, these, these are simply priorities and suggestions for what Congress can do. They'll, they'll ultimately be written by the various committees. Uh, they should be written and, and proceed through on, under the regular order with uh, a number of different uh, budget bills passed or appropriations bills passed. The reality is, of course, Congress will deadlock and will end up with a giant uh, omnibus bill at the end of the year. Will we get uh, just a continuing resolution? Uh, it's certainly always a possibility. That uh, seems to have been a, a regular occurrence. I, I can't recall the last time Congress passed all 13 budget uh, appropriations bills in a regular order. Is, is it at least useful then that this uh, proposed budget puts some focus on uh, the national debt? Absolutely. This, this is a statement of principles as, as much as anything else. And it's important that that principle be that the budget balance in 10 years. Uh, I say this is the first time since Bill Clinton was in office that a president's actually proposed that. And that's really an incremental step in the right direction. Uh, it may be incremental, but, you know, a lot of increments add up. Should, you know, Republicans who care about a balanced budget, and I assume there are some Democrats who care about that as well, um, Shouldn't they be putting all their eggs in the basket of how do we credibly limit spending through either statute or constitutional amendment? Well, certainly we want to limit spending. And it's not just a matter of the budget being balanced. I mean, I'd rather have an unbalanced uh, trillion-dollar budget than a balanced $10 trillion budget, uh, the, you know, in terms of its impact on the economy and how much resources it's taking out of the economy, whether it's debt or taxes, is still taking money out for the productive sector and, and basically spending it in unproductive ways. Uh, that said, uh, it would be great if Congress actually cared about the national debt for, for, for once. Michael Tanner is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.